Welcome to episode 39 of Expanding Beyond. How are you doing, Monica? All good, all good. Uh, slowly but steadily going into spring. So uh, today I was, uh, uh, my sister sent me a message and, and was like, have you noticed it's five and the sun is still out? And I'm like, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, it's still end of, I'm not sure. It's still end of January, right? It's yeah. February is often really cold so that's true um on the other hand the days are getting longer and that's already something for me <laughs> <laughs> that's true yeah a friend of mine in rome was going out today and he was going out with just a sweater so i'm jealous mm. yeah we're not <laughs> quite here yet no <laughs> how are you um doing good i'm sort of continuing my book reading and now I've sort of <laughs> picked up the book my eight-year-old is uh, listening to, <laughs> <laughs> which kind of, it's a sort of an English uh, book series that's sort of Harry Potter-esque. Okay. Um, but yeah, I think after book three, I'm, I'm, I'm done now. They are a bit, yeah, they're a fun read, but at some point, something a bit more substantial would be nice. Mm. <laughs> Let's see. Okay. So it's. Harry Potter-esque, but not to that level. Yeah, it's like magic is there and there's a school. Where okay. At least it's a girl who's going there. So that's already something. Uh, but some of the uh, weird behavior has to be explained away by, hey, these are elves. So it's fine that they behave like no human mm. would and do stuff that is uh, somewhat questionable <laughs> in terms I of see. motivation of adults just sending kids into danger but that's also a kids book so yeah <laughs> it doesn't have to be you know exactly realistic there's magic already <laughs> yeah uh, sometimes that's also fine to just read something yeah. like that all right so today i'm starting uh with a topic uh, i would say it's a con continuation of last time where we talked about design dogs and adrs um since we recorded that episode i actually uh, started to get involved into in the process in our company mm -hmm. and i picked up my first adr topic or let's say i picked up something that will spark i don't know how many ideas in the end <laughs> uh, so i'm looking into authentication and authorization because that's something in the almost year i worked at the company and i saw multiple additional services being spun up, I always noticed that basically every team has to research how to authenticate from scratch. And they always come up with a new way, more or less. Mm -hmm. Eventually, and sort of when I, we did it with our team, it was kind of questionable. It is a working solution, but not a really perfect solution. And right now I'm just at the spot where I want to figure out what are we even doing at this company? Because okay. no one <laughs> seems to know what sort of, there's no real overview into every everything, right? Mm. And then we can see what to do about it. Sort of there's a technical background and I don't want to focus on that and, uh, really because I don't even know what to talk about yet. <laughs> yeah. Um, sort of the, the interesting bit for me is that it's actually a really huge topic and the question to me is about uh, finding the time and the priorities of stuff because I of course can't now go and sort of spend a few weeks 
not work on stuff on the priorities for my team mm-hmm. because we are or actually have something to release in a few sprints. On the other hand, that's something like that needs to get done eventually. Um, and I'm sort of now I'm struggling to sort of fit the two things sort of into my schedule and to find a way to uh, not get stressed out about stuff, basically. <laughs> Welcome back to leadership. <laughs> yes. And then that's sort of the thing I thought, do I really want to deal with this? <laughs> sort of it is it is it was different for me when I was a manager because mm. There, sort of, the job description more or less is hey, you have a hundred things to do, <laughs> yeah, and you need to get them done eventually, figure out a way to do it. But as a software developer in a team, it's more like hey, here's a fixed list of things you can focus that on them and do them, and all the rest is not none of your business, more or less. Mm. And at that point, if, if I'm sort of coming out of that sort of hole as a developer. And I'm trying to fit in something else as well. This is sort of where it doesn't work for me somehow. Mm. Yeah, that's uh, that's an interesting point. Maybe I can find there, there were a couple of articles that I was uh, that I found when when I was researching the role of an engineering manager versus a staff engineer versus a regular engineer and whatnot, technical leadership, you know. And I think that partially this is a bit of a misconception. It's, especially in bigger companies, of course, what, what I noticed also in, in the conversations that I'm reading on, on Twitter and so on, is that when you are a staff engineer, and in this case, this is something that usually a staff engineer does, what you get is that your time delivering features gets smaller. It's, it just shrinks. And this was something that I was thinking about when uh, this week after a conversation with a colleague of mine, I was like, being a staff engineer is actually not that different from management. You are just not managing people. You're managing other things. But fundamentally, your role is that of a coordinate, coordinator, someone that goes and clarifies for the rest of the organization certain aspect of our job. So yeah. in a way, the answer to me is, when do you find this time if you are a software engineer is the company should know that what you're doing right now has more value than shipping a specific feature because what you're doing is multiplying the throughput of all the other engineers by clarifying that that specific aspect or driving an or an initiative to clarify that aspect so what you are losing in speed right now you will gain afterwards in speed across the board throughout the organization. So where when do you find time? That's a uh, that was was uh, <laughs> yeah. Partially, you find the time. It's like the the point of agile also is that of you know enabling uh, the the whole team to uh, decide their speed, and this has uh, also that. Uh, uh, this is what it is. I was like, ah, I don't have enough time to do that. Just takes. Yeah, I think we, I sort of, I agree. I think at this company, at this point, we are just sort of in the transition. Mm. Because right now, all these ADRs are driven by, let's call them normal <laughs> yeah. software developers who also have their priorities in their teams. I wonder if that's sort of the the 
the long-term solution in the end. How much can you, because there's also no, at least as far as I can tell, there's no expectations around this stuff. Mm. Say, hey, uh, you and you, and you have a certain title and you are expected to spend some of your time on stuff like this. Right now, it's just whoever feels strongest about this sort yeah. of just makes time by working less on the things for their team. I wonder if this is something that needs to needs to be adjusted eventually. Because this is also, so when I talk to other people, this is also what I heard from some of them that they say, hey, the feeling is a bit that stuff isn't really moving mm-hmm. on, on that front. I mean, on the one hand, it's it's fine. Because like you said, those things just take their time. It's not like you deliver a feature and it's done by tomorrow. Yeah. It's just, this will be done in half a year, if you're lucky. Yes. Sort of. Uh, on the other hand, I, it's maybe also that people aren't comfortable spending more time on stuff like that and just do it an hour here and there in the middle of other stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, that's... Uh... Again, you're in a transition phase, let's say. But yeah, sort of on on the point of how did I then get out of this thing on my own? Mm-hmm. I'm just, I ended up doing the novel approach of realizing that <laughs> thinking about that big thing is actually a bad idea. Also, that needs to be broken down into manageable chunks. And now I just have a to-do list. And if I do one thing a day, or I don't know, maybe not even that, I'm just feel there's progress and then it's okay for me, more or less. You are also going to be the executor of the technical solution you're going to find? I mean, for the time being, I'm just trying to talk, to figure out how stuff is working, right? Sort of, I'm the one, sort of, I'm I'm documenting what I know about the topic. Mm-hmm. And then I'm planning to reach out to the to other teams who know more about certain things I have no idea on. And after that, I can present that to the to the group again, those people that actually we are sort of meeting weekly around those ADR topics. And then we can sort of forward on on whatever else we want to do. Sort of, I, I'm currently just gathering information because there literally is no one who knows it all, right? Mm. And then we can, if we have the information and it is sort of, we can just figure out where do we see uh, problems as a group. And then we can decide what is most pressing to to look into. Okay. Yeah. That and after makes that, sense. I don't know <laughs> who will do how much, and we'll see. To see. Yeah, that that was also something else. Like when when I was discussing about this stuff, this was one of the reasons why I think, if I'm not mistaken, my my former boss will will correct me, why we decided. In, in my previous company to go also with the presence of engineering managers within within the teams, not having dedicated teams to do sp- this kind of work. The engineering managers were there also to enable engineering to have certain these kind of topics that takes maybe uh, take months and generic effort from uh, maybe more than one person to be uh, to be actually implemented and executed on uh, because they would present those instances with uh, or would help the engineers presenting those instances with uh, with a stronger voice with with more articulated arguments and 
going back to uh, to what you to what you were saying also because this is something that usually I don't even know if you have said it or I just remember reading it in our show notes. Um, but in any case, usually these topics are tackled more often by engineers with a certain seniority, with a certain system thinking mindset. So then teaching younger engineers or engineers earlier in their career to uh, how to actually do this kind of, um, how do you say that in English? Advocacy, I think. <laughs> Yeah, I'm just, yeah, I'm not, I'm not entirely sure yeah. how, how we will go from here. I think some of the topics we are discussing, they are, they are just valuable mm -hmm. and eventually they should get done. I just see it a bit of, there isn't just enough, there isn't really enough time at this point. Mm -hmm. But I mean, in the end, there's never enough time for all things, all the time. That's sort of the standard exactly. thing. And that's sort of... I think what... It's like after a couple of weeks, speaking of, you know, continuation, what I'm observing right now in, in, in my company instead is that the conversations that these topics on the design docs backlog, uh, like the value that, that I mostly am getting from, from those is there are conversations out in the open. Uh, so it's easier to understand what are the pain points and where. They are in in the sense of like literally within the organization. Who are the teams that are affected by this? Who is um, who is affected and 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 who is uh, someone that can actually collaborate instead, uh, right? And mm -hmm. speaking of time, what this is helping also is figuring out among ourselves. There are so many topics that are going back and forth. It's actually discussing and figuring out. What is actually the priority right now? What should we pick? Knowing that we have just so much bandwidth, uh, knowing that it, it's very easy as a proponent proponent of, of a certain topic, just say, oh, we should really do this. And then someone starts, it's very enthusiastic. They start looking into this or that, and then you lose some time here and you lose some time there. So fundamentally, what I'm trying to say is like, what, what I'm seeing is a general prioritization done more explicitly within the engineering management group. And in this case, I'm literally called like all managers within, within that group. This also includes people like the, what we call the chapter leads. So these are people responsible for a specific platform, for example. So there's this prioritization. There is alignment on the actual problems and sometimes on the assumptions behind those problems. It's like, I am the author of one of these documents, as in I'm the person who flagged the problem. I'm not the expert in that, in that specific area of our code, of our architecture. And just by engaging people and asking their opinions, like, hey, does this problem statement make sense to you? I found out about that between management and the engineers, there, were, there was already a disconnect. Engineers were already ahead of us in the solution, whilst we were still thinking that we had a specific problem. <laughs> mm -hmm. So in this case, this document is becoming more like, okay, let's document the status quo instead of actually finding the solution. But, you know, it's just as valuable as, uh, as, the, other, uh, as the other intention for which these documents are, are uh, being introduced.
And uh, speaking of time, this also means that when you are not really, when it's not that important, you might flag something. Then in the end, it's like, nah, that's just too much effort. It doesn't make sense to do it right now. Like if you put, if you stick your neck out for that specific topic, you really believe that that stuff is important. Otherwise you wouldn't because it takes time. It takes effort. And I know it's a, in a way it's a cheap trick, but it works. It's like, it's a little bit like the saying, like put your mouth when, uh, put your money where your mouth is. And here time is money and time is extremely valuable in, in a professional context. And therefore put your time where your mouth is. If you think that's important and we should work on it, then you should also find the time for it. Yeah, that's true. And on the other hand, I should probably also discuss this with my manager <laughs> and sort of make it exp ex the question explicit to to sort of him and the the other managers and sort of the level above maybe just to ask if they think that this is actually a problem or not and it makes sense to spend time on this now or if it's like something they have on the radar and say we would like to do this at the later stage mm -hmm. i mean sometimes it's still worth it even if your manager doesn't agree it's like yeah we're gonna do it later i was like yeah but let me just do it anyways but again then you know that you are you have to put some effort in it yeah it's a, just a question of how how much right Yes. If, he, if yes. they say it's not that important and then of course, sure, you can spend some time on it, but sort of not but disappear not for a week yeah. and just work at it, right? And there uh, it's uh, it's interesting. It, it ties a bit with this one book I'm, I'm reading right now. It's called Turn the Ship Around. And the one of the things the author says is when you are when you are someone that wants to share with their manager what's what's going on and, and what's there. So as a manager or as a leader, if you want to enable the team to actually be autonomous and, and drive what is important themselves, what you should expect is that people come to you and they tell you, I intend to do X. And there's always the chance to say no, But the important part is that it's communicated so that you can, you know, pick up the signal and make sure that the, the different initiatives actually aligned, um, mm -hmm. or at least they don't contrast with, with each other. If you have two people uh, tying a screw too much or uh, unscrewing it too much, uh, that's a problem. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the guy is a, is a captain on a submarine, the author, so I was like, that's... Um, Screwing and unscrewing bolts, I've, I found out, is extremely important to have them uh, to, a certain, to a certain level. <laughs> Because you don't want to be surrounded by water a few kilometers under the surface and have water pouring in. <laughs> Because <laughs> it, it looked tight enough, but it wasn't. <laughs> it's a matter of millimeters sometimes. It's mm -hmm. crazy. Anyways. So, yeah, I think it's a good idea. If you ask me, like if I was your manager, very likely I would be, yeah, cool, keep doing it. But it <laughs> was, uh, uh, it would be something that it's, uh, it's good to know because if it's not taken care of, uh, maybe you can also change their mind just by, you know, like articulating how this is actually affecting everything. Yeah. It, it sort of ties back into how we sort of with, with the recent growth, we are trying to, uh, as a, 
department come up with a better way to sort of prioritize bigger topics. Mm. And it's there as in most times there's the focus on the product side of things. Yeah. But I guess all those technical things probably need to go in the same list after all, because they also need time. I mean, it, I think we said it more than once. Everything feeds into the product. So yeah. it's just like the technical stuff. It's just a different facet of it. What is important is that it's possible to tie that effort to a business outcome in the sense of like, and this is how the business is going to take advantage of it. And in this case, from what you're telling me, it makes a lot of sense because uh, it will probably create something that uh, everybody can use much more easily. People don't have to reinvent how they're doing this particular operation of authentication and authorization. Uh, yes, and especially in that topic, reinventing security is probably a bad idea. Exactly. Uh, so like you get a, a lot of advantages. Maybe you can't exactly measure them uh, very precisely, but someone with a good business sense should see the value in uh, in this. And there are, Speaking of uh, of product, if you, and I hope you do, if you have a very good um, product department, they will understand. And it's their job to prioritize this because in the end, it's uh, about the product again. All right. Let's see how that <laughs> will play out over the next weeks and probably months. Yes. Right. <laughs> what do you have on your mind and our show notes list, Monica? <laughs> yes. I was thinking, like, I was reading, you know, like, this is a required skill for a senior engineer, figure out to senior enough uh, by doing uh, stuff like this. Yeah, so the, the topic of seniority comes back uh, over and over again. Like, you remember one of our first episodes was, but what does it make, what does it mean to be a senior engineer and uh, and whatnot? In, in my experience right now, Actually, I, I think I, I might have used the, the wrong word. Uh, in my show notes, I wrote something like, I have a very senior team. What do I do about it? <laughs> uh, what I meant, actually, now that I think of it, I have a very mature thing, team. Mm -hmm. Maybe not in all aspects or not to the extent that I want, but that's also due to the nature of, of the team. The team started as uh, something like a few months ago, a bunch of people uh, joined over time. So, of course, it's a team that is maturing over time in the sense of like the how it's gelling. But maybe because I'm lucky, maybe because I was able to actually select the right people during the interview <laughs> process, there is definitely a certain level of drive and initiative within uh, the people uh, themselves in the team. So I can already see like, people taking more ownership about specific topics or, I don't know, and it can be as simple, let's call it this way, as uh, one of the senior engineer proposed again to to have a, a coffee chat moment during the week and now he's organizing it. Or having someone that instead comes to you and is like, uh, I'm going to observe, I'm new to the team, I'm going to observe and then I'm going to try to find something where I can be useful and help the team progress forward in terms of like processes and, and how we do things. So this is what I mean when I say that the team is very mature. So what do I do about it? It's like, 
one of those things that you have to uh, to uh, you know like uh, get used to as a manager is this idea that you should remove yourself from the equation as much as possible. Going back to you know like what what this book is also about among others. If your team doesn't function without you, uh, you are doing a bad job because mm. everything yeah. passes from you. Then you are the single point of failure, and you won't be able to catch everything. You are going to be exhausted. The team does won't feel empowered. Therefore, the quality of their work is going to be less. They're going to be less engaged. Your retention is going to be worse, blah, blah, blah. But once you have a team that is mature enough and doesn't need a lot of attention, what you should dedicate yourself to, and I'm thinking about this, is your what they call your first team. Uh, I think we also touched on, on the topic some time ago. Uh, yeah. This means the, the team of your peers. And in this team, there are tighter circle, that is those of the people that have your same role. So, for example, other engineering managers. There are people that are in uh, adjacent roles, like uh, what I was telling about before, chapter leads. Chapter leads right now do not report into, uh, into engineering managers. They report in directly into the, uh, the CTO. But if you go even broader, that's the team of stakeholders. We're not yet organized in business units, but I can't imagine that to be an evolution of the company. I've seen it happen in, in other places. And then your your actually team members, your peers, are the people in a similar role as yours in terms of decision making power in in other functions. So there, I'm 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 thinking, how does that? changes perspective because my my time as a team member like with a young team and, and a bunch of people that didn't really know each other it is a long time ago and it was still a cross-functional team that had to communicate and, and interact on a daily basis as a as a team in 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 a line management position you don't interact on a daily basis I mean, you do have a lot of interaction on a daily basis, but it's not always with the same set of people. And out of the um, software world, this concept of a scrum team, of, you know, like an agile team, it's not that present. I've seen it happen at Freeletics. And that was, at first it was tough, but I think it was very beneficial in the end because we started to have similar patterns as uh, that of a scrum team. And in the end, what, what is Agile about? Agile is about, among other things, is to make sure that people collaborate together towards one objective and respond to change as fast as possible, respond to changing conditions as fast as possible. And very often you don't have this communication so often, right? Yeah, I think that there's multiple levels. I mean, I would sort of expect as someone in a team from my manager to actually tell me, hey, Great idea you're having, but it doesn't fit in sort of the strategy mm -hmm. as a, of the company as a whole, right? Because yeah. you you should be the one who who sort of knows about various other things going on. And I, as someone in a team, probably don't have, really have access. I'm not sort of in the know of what's being discussed and what the direction is we're going, right? So I would expect to get some guidance on great topic is interesting and it's something that might need to be done eventually or 
but it's not like a priority because of this and that that's going on right now. That's a very good point. I for, I completely brushed over this. That is a very, very good point. I think that is actually, it's egoistic, but if you look at it from a company perspective, it's even more important than people growth. It's like giving the right context to the team so that the team can execute. The team cannot really take decisions if you give them uh, that kind of information. So you have to make sure that that information flows constantly within the team. And vice versa, you report up and across uh, what is the reaction of the team to certain topics, to certain changes. Because if you want to go into this, uh, again, citing the book, quoting the book, this leader-leader approach, I mean, that's, uh, that's fundamental. It's, uh, it's something that otherwise the, the whole body cannot, cannot really function without. On the other hand, as a, if we come back to senior developers, mm-hmm. maybe this is also something also or something that I am trying now as, as a senior developer, just sort of not only rely on that, but actually actively go out and find people from other teams to just regularly check in and see what they're thinking, what they're doing, what they see as, as issues and how they are struggling to sort of get the information flowing on another level as well. That is uh, an extremely mature thing to do. <laughs> yeah, it, it took me only, I don't know, 10 years as a developer. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, that's sort of... Do you think that you you started doing this because you were a manager once and you saw the advantage of it? Sort of, yes. Um, in the sense of that I sometimes feel that I don't know enough. I don't know what's mm-hmm. enough of what's going on. And this to me is sort of the easiest way uh, to get the information, right? Because yeah. you just randomly talk to someone on, on another team and uh, you sort of get a feeling for stuff, right? Yeah. I mean, it was one of the things, uh, one of the reasons why, I mean, I didn't do that with with that particular intention first, like to get to know so many people here and there in my previous company and having chats and, and talking and, and every now and then uh, getting together. But I was getting so much information about what was going on by those interactions that now that I don't have that many yet in this company, it's so much harder also to do my job. It's so more so much more complicated Mm-hmm. Like there are blind spots everywhere. What is happening literally in the team next to yours? It's sometimes it's completely hidden. Yeah, yeah, that's also what's ha- what's happening here. This is this was actually the main reason, right, mm-hmm. why I started doing this because we are also currently in the process of splitting up into multiple. I don't know how did you call it business units, more yeah. or less, at least on the engineering level. Mm-hmm. And this got me thinking about, hey, I don't even know what those teams are doing. And now we're splitting it up even more. Uh, how can I get around that and sort of bring it back a bit and find more, find out a bit more how the others, what they are even doing yeah, and how, how, how do they see stuff, right? I, also in the sense of uh, blind spots and uh, not being super objective on things like I have my opinion on those uh, ADR topics and 
on other things, but it's nice to also know how others are seeing it and coming from different directions, more or less. Hmm. Yeah, probably that is the thing that I miss the most from uh, being in the office. Yeah, it's a bit uh, awkward, I must admit, to sort of randomly pick out a developer from from your whatever chart I know, <laughs> right? stored somewhere and say, hey, yeah, I've been working at this company for a year now. I never talked to you. <laughs> Can we schedule a meeting? It sort of works, right? I, it definitely works. Now that you that you say it like this, it happened to me last week. Mm -hmm. I got so in, in in Kaya we have this group that is it's a common interest group that is made of uh women within within Kaya. Mm -hmm. And this is all level of all positions uh, and also known like people identifying as women of course and i got i got this uh this one uh message one day by by one of the of the other ladies uh, at kyle's like hey we actually never spoke i've worked at kaya for almost six months now and uh i saw you a few times what about if we uh, if we hop on a call and and have like half an hour chat and mm -hmm. Out of that conversation, I got to know that the only other engineer that is a woman in in Kaya at the moment, she was looking for she was looking for some advice or or you know like a sparing partner on a certain topic and reached out to uh, to her and and other ladies in uh, in in the group, and mm -hmm. I was like I basically never talk with this other person, mm -hmm. and that's crazy, like. We are literally, well, it's not the, the only other one because we, I think we are three, but, you know, it's like out of 30, that's not a lot. <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, that's true. So there, there was that, or I got to know that actually me and this person that, that called me uh, are actually so similar on so many things. I mean, of course, it's the first time we talk, so of course you find things that you are similar on uh, about, but it was uh, curious also to, to see how such a small interaction actually opened my eyes to other aspects of things that were happening in the organization and made me more engaged the two days later in our monthly call with uh, with all the group so it's like it's it's weird to do because you don't have you know that stupid thing of you know, like you spill coffee in the kitchen. I was like, oh, fuck, look at this, how clumsy I am. And someone else that is there and you never talked to was like, oh, don't worry, I'm going to help you clean up. But it's something that makes, first of all, it makes work more pleasant because you actually have humans around you uh, and uh, it makes you more effective. Yeah, exactly. I was going to say, especially... Especially that because then you've already talked to someone once and if there's something you need to read out about, then it's just so much easier. Yeah. It's not like a random person you've never talked to. On the other hand, doing this remotely is somewhat of a weird thing, right? Because yes. then you have even less cues to work with. And then you have engineers who are uh, like even more introverts than the standard population of people <laughs> and then you have two on sitting on a computer and you try to make a conversation and it's sometimes not that easy <laughs> no no uh, tell me about it uh, when uh, during conferences uh, hosting them online is uh it's easier on one side because you're in your 
home, that's a safe space and, and whatnot. But on the other hand, trying to engage the attendees is so hard. Mm-hmm. <laughs> From another perspective, it's kind of like a Russian roulette. Oh, yeah. That's something sort of if, as you bring that up. <laughs> I just remember that's actually ha- something that I started uh, last year at my company where they said, <laughs> hey, we'll have, we'll have this one meeting every, I don't know, two, three months. I don't know what the schedule is. Whoever wants to join, uh, they can. And a random other person on that of, of who wants to join as well on that they will be picked. And that pair gets to talk for 30 minutes. So you'll get mm. randomly and you can talk to someone from probably a completely different department that does something completely different from you, which yeah. is also cool. Because on the other hand, exactly because it's easier to talk with people that are not that introverted, the interactions you have maybe in the office are biased by the fact that someone would respond to a joke. Someone would respond to a certain verbal or nonverbal cue. If you pick randomly, then the chances of being not biased are are higher. It's like you get to meet people that otherwise you wouldn't. Because mm-hmm. a, a Russian roulette like this one you just described, it's like, guess who's going to participate? Extroverts! <laughs> <laughs> or people like me that are a, a bit and a bit. Um, <laughs> yeah, or introverts like me who are conscious and think it's yes inter- important to do. Yeah, yeah that's true. So still, sometimes there are still people that might be left uh, um, out. And I know it's hard and it's uh, it's heavy and it's uh, I don't even know if it's even fair, frankly, because we're not all all the same. Maybe that's a I mean, that's a very hairy topic to tackle. Like, how do you how do you make sure that everybody's treated fairly when the world is of those people that are louder yeah and not everyone's like you and mm-hmm. you don't even know how if if that for how many people your approach would actually work yeah yeah there is a book the power of quiet if i'm not mistaken that is about the immense contribution that introverts uh, give to the world because that's another thing that as a as a manager you want to you want to have you want to have a right balance and you want to give everybody the a fair share of opportunities difficult topic uh, yes, and as we are sort of trailing off anyway, mm-hmm. <laughs> I guess it's a nice uh, place to uh, stop this episode. Yes. So if you want to reach out to us and suggest a topic, or I don't know, tell us how wrong we are, <laughs> um, that's also fine. <laughs> uh, you can of course reach us on Twitter. Um, also, we have a. Um, account uh, for the podcast itself and you can email us at hosts at expandingbeyond.it and if you want to complain about monica uh, directly <laughs> you can also reach her on twitter right <laughs> yes at kf molly with an i uh, beware in uh, a couple of days the italian uh, annual film uh, music festival will start so there will be an huge spike in uh, tweets in Italian, but you can just filter by the tag. You will find out which tag it is. <laughs> so there's that. You can reach me out there. You can reach me at my uh, website, monikag.me. Uh, you can find me on GitHub and a bunch of other places, but with the handle at Nearnight, where people can find you. You can also find me on Twitter as UJH. 
um, where I regularly go and delete spam uh, <laughs> and my replies. And then I might actually see when you write to me. Get spam? Yes. I don't know what it is. Maybe it's because this handle is so short and it's easy mm, to type. I don't maybe. know what it is. <laughs> <laughs> and that, that's more or less it. Uh, you can find me in the other uh, places, of course, as well. But that's, that's where I uh, hang out on a technical front, more or less. And that's it for today. Uh, thank you all for listening. And Monica, thank you again for uh, talking to me about random stuff like that. Thank you for being my friend for 39 episodes now. <laughs> yeah. Wow. That's a long run. Yeah, that's really long, right? <laughs> that's impressive. Yeah. Have a lovely evening, people. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.